This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu. Welcome to the Center for Sports Studies podcast. My name is Brandon Podgorski, Professor of Sport Management at Trine University, and I want to welcome you to this week's podcast. On today's podcast, I am joined by Vice President of Content and Engaged Learning at WorkinSports.com, Brian Clapp. WorkinSports.com is an industry-leading job board with over 20,000 jobs available in all areas of the sport industry. In this episode, Brian provides valuable information on how to determine your career direction, obtain the essential skills for your dream job, and how to effectively network with professionals in sport. Check out Brian's podcast and career resources at WorkinSports.com. I hope you enjoy the show. All right, welcome to the Center for Sports Studies podcast. Really excited to have a guy with us where if you're in the, the sports space or at least the sport business space, I don't know if he needs much of an introduction, but uh, Brian Clapp, he's the Vice President of Content and Engaged Learning at, at workinsports.com. Brian has a, a podcast and a blog and a lot of work that they're doing at workinsports.com that if you're a student and you're interested in working in sport, Hopefully, you've seen some of the stuff that, that Brian has put out over the years, and you visited the website, but really excited to have Brian join us today. Brian, welcome. Brandon, this is great. I love this, being on the other side of the conversation, not having to drive things. I get to sit back and let you do all the heavy lifting. Well, I will do my best to, to uh, keep <laughs> us on, on the road, I guess. But, yeah, uh, that's right. Tell us a little bit about your background in sport right. and then how you got um, to work in sports.com and just some of the stuff that you're doing there. So like many people that work in the sports industry, I was uh, you know, an athlete through all my younger years, played soccer, played basketball, played baseball, played everything, right? We're all competitors in, a, in, a, in some way or another. And then, um, you know, went to college. I had a really serious injury in high school. I blew out my knee really bad. And so I was like, all right, well, I'm not going to be able to play scholarship, you know, anything like that. But I want to stay connected to, to sports. That's important to me. So I thought about going into physical therapy. I like that rehab process because I, I was going through it myself. And I was like, this still feels active to me. So we started out college as a biology and chemistry double major on this path towards physical therapy. And after a while, I was like, this isn't really doing it for me. You know, this is, this is pretty hard. And those chemistry classes weren't easy. Um, and so, uh, you know, I just was kind of lost. And I think a lot of college students are. Um, they're not quite sure what it means to think towards a career path, right? They're thinking about what they have to do right now versus, you know, what are my plans for the entire future? And so I was lost my whole sophomore year. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And finally, my, my mom said to me, she's like, you watch sports all the time. You, when you, you watch ESPN and then you watch it again, you, you go and you compete, you run, you do all these things, figure it out, figure out something in there. And so I, I started to lean towards the broadcast media. And I thought to myself, I really do find this like so in, like creative, a creative outlet and, you know, the journalism side, but also just the storytelling and the connection. And so I changed, I, I got into uh, broadcast communications and video production and was hired out of college at CNN Sports Illustrated, which is uh, at the time, uh, Time Warner and CNN were merging and they were forming these collaborative networks. So there was like CNN and Money and there was CNN and Entertainment Weekly. And so we were the sports angle, we were CNN Sports Illustrated. So I was there for seven years and I started out as a production assistant, became an associate producer, became a producer and loved, loved, loved it. The schedule was crazy. I mean, I'm working seven at night until three in the morning. I'm working Tuesdays and Wednesdays are my off days. Didn't care. 
loved every minute of it covering games you know cutting highlights working with the anchors just this energy and this 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 vibe of being in the know on everything that's happening in the sports industry loved every minute of it Mm -hmm. Uh, after seven years got recruited to fox sports northwest i wanted to get more into the management side i wanted to grow a little bit more i felt like i had kind of reached the the top of being an individual contributor by being a producer and I just wanted to get more responsibility and more growth. So I was at Fox Sports for five years um, as the news director, totally different challenge. Now you're thinking ahead six months. You're thinking about, mm. you know, planning for baseball spring training. You're thinking about all those other aspects of, of staff development and budgets and tenant improvements and all these other things that I just had no experience with. Uh, and then um, after that, I, I kind of reached a point of frustration. Fox was not moving. Fox Sports was not moving towards the digital age. I could not get people interested in social media. Our website was lackluster. And I really mm. thought that was the direction we were going, where on-demand content was going to be so important versus waiting for six o'clock or waiting for 11 o'clock. And this was 2006, 2007, somewhere in there. And I just could not get anybody kind of going that direction. So I left. I started my own site. Uh, that site was eventually purchased by Work in Sports. And one of the things I realized is you pivot a lot in your career, you know, mm -hmm. and you make little changes. And one of the things I realized was that I really enjoyed when I was at Fox Sports Northwest was developing the younger staff, working with people directly, helping them grow and seeing them succeed. And so coming to work in sports really fit that mold. I was allowed to create content that would help not only build our brand, but also share insights, share knowledge, share experiences that could help other people follow a great path in the industry, answer questions, be there to help. Uh, and so I've been doing that for the last eight years now. Uh, last year, we, Work in Sports was uh, purchased and merged with another company called iHire. And that expanded our reach, our, our power, our tools, our access to, to you know, so much more technology. And it's been really great. So that's even expanded my role even more. So like you said, I host our podcast. I create online uh, communities, social media, we do webinars, we do all different types of pieces of content, and then also creating online programs to help people grow in their professional development. So we're pretty busy, but I love it. Absolutely. And, and workinsports.com, if people don't know, it's more than just a job board. Yeah. What are some of the other things that if they wanted to go to and learn a little bit more about working in sports that they would find there at workinsports.com? I appreciate you saying that because the idea of a job board feels like this very static directory, you know, list mm -hmm. that just has existed for, you know, that sounds very 2003, right? Early stage <laughs> internet, kind of like, okay, they, they list all the jobs. But one of the things we've tried to do over the years is really understand what employers want and need. They want an efficient system to find the best people and employees, job seekers want the best way to find those prime opportunities that match them well, that they are qualified for. And so we've developed a lot of tools over the years that can help maximize that experience and make it as efficient as possible. One of my personal favorites, we have this tool called iScore. So if you think about it, we have, we have upwards, you know, we have 20, a little over 20,000 jobs on our job board right now. Um, there's a lot of opportunity out there and we cover the entire uh, span of the, the market. We're not just teams and organizations. We go a lot broader than that. Excuse me. And um, you think about it and you're like 20,000 jobs. How am I going to figure out where I fit in that? that that's a lot right oh, yeah. I mean, it's not like uh you know you look at accounting jobs on on monster you might find six hundred thousand. so it's not quite that level but there's a lot of different types of opportunities in the sports industry so we have this tool called iscore and what it does is you upload your resume and if you see a job that interests you it will you can look at it and it will give you a score and say we're looking at your resume we're looking at this job description 
here's how well you kind of match for this job. And why that's so important is because if you don't match for the job, the employers don't even really see your application if you apply for it. If you don't have the skills that line up with the demand of the job, you're not going to be seen. So by using this tool, you can see what jobs you currently match for, which is very beneficial, but you can also learn where your shortcomings are. So you can say, oh, I really want to be a social media coordinator. And you go look at social media coordinator jobs and you get a score back that says you're a 61 match. So like a D minus kind of match. Mm. And there'll be suggestions that come up and say, here's where you're missing. So not only can that be powerful for you to say, oh, wait, I have that skill. I should add that to my resume now and go for it, right? That makes you the best possible applicant for the job. But it can also give you a game plan for yourself and say, I really want to do this job but I don't really match it well enough now. Here are the areas I need to improve. And so that's just one of the things we're trying to do to help people make the most productive experience of job seeking. Job seeking is hard. Yeah. Job seeking is lonely. Job seeking is, job seeking is frustrating, right? You feel like you're in your own head. You're putting all this pressure on yourself. Employers are having the same problem. They're, they're having all these people that are applying for jobs because it sounds cool to work in sports, but it's hard for them to find the right candidate. So we're trying, to, we're trying to play like a matchmaker in a lot of ways. We're not a recruiting service, but we are trying to bridge that gap between that confusion of finding the right people and finding the right job. If we can, if we can help do that, it can be a real time saver for everybody. And just, I guess, advice for students, and I'll ask you a lot of different questions kind of going down this road, but oh, yeah. is there a way for students to maybe cut through some of that clutter? Because I'll give you an example. So I've got some, um, some colleagues with the Atlanta Hawks, and they were talking about an inside sales position. And we know inside sales, that's where a lot of people get their start, at least on the sales side. You, may, yeah. you, know, you make maybe 25 grand a year with commissions, so you're not getting rich off this thing. Right. However, they got 800 applications for like one job because everybody wants to work in the NBA. Right. Yes. I'm going to hang out with Trey Young and life is going to be awesome. Oh, yeah. Glory, <laughs> glory. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, you know, as they were talking with me in, in asking about, hey, tell us about some of your all-star students. You know, they need a way to kind of cut through that clutter on their side, too, because they don't have time to go through 800 resumes. Are there maybe some strategies that you would share with students to how can you cut through just being another yeah. piece of paper on the pile? It is such a great question. And I do think that's one of the, the best strategies that students can start to employ. So what I like to tell people is put yourself in the shoes of the employer. You just painted a really great picture. I'm the Philadelphia Eagles or I'm the Atlanta Hawks or I'm the Chicago Bears. I post a job opportunity and I get 800 applicants. And that's realistic, right? That's, yep. That is what happens. But I talk to talent acquisition managers all the time in these fields, at these teams and at these leagues. And they'll tell you, sometimes off the record, because I don't want to be this straightforward, but they'll tell you, 80% of the applicants are not actually skilled for the job. They're applying because they think it sounds cool to work for the team, or they're applying because they're, they're, they're hoping and wishing and dreaming to work for their favorite team, but they don't have the skills that actually match and quantify and, and, and align with the job that's out there. So the advice that I try to give people all the time is now is the perfect opportunity for college students. When you're, when you're a sophomore, when you're a junior, when you're a senior and you're still in school, now is the time to do that research into the industry and figure out what those matches are. So if you're looking at, like go pick out 10 different jobs. Maybe it's inside sales. Maybe it's social media coordinator. Maybe it's a marketing coordinator. Maybe it's an operations coordinator. There's so many different types of jobs out there, right? Go find 10 of those. doesn't matter where they are. They could be in places you're not going to ever work. doesn't matter who they're with. You're just doing research. Go grab those jobs, read through the job descriptions, and make yourself a list in Excel of the skills that you see that are repeated in these jobs that interest you. And you may see things like Photoshop. 
Microsoft Dynamics, Excel, uh, HTML, you know, uh, Jira, other pro- programs. You might look at that and be like, I've never even heard of these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, good. Now you know what's in demand. Now you can put together a plan to learn those specific things. And if you learn those things, then your resume will be matching up with the jobs. You'll have the skills that employers need and you'll be much more likely to be noticed. If you talk to employers, if you talk to like your friends with the Hawks and other people out there, they'll say, we want somebody with passion. We want somebody with work ethic. We want somebody with leadership skills. Those are all true, but you're not going to get through the initial screening process unless you have the exact skills they need. Those other things, those soft skills come through in the interview process. You have to get noticed first. You have to have the skills that are in demand first. Then when you're in front of somebody and you're having a conversation like this, you can get, tell stories about your work ethic. You can get into how passionate you are. You can show your excitement, your leadership, all these different things. But if you just write that on a resume, that is not going to get you an interview. Like I'm a great leader. I work really hard. That's not going to do it. Yep. But if you say I can do these things that you need, I have, I have the skills that align with what your problems are, because that's all it is. If your friends at the Hawks are trying to hire inside salespeople, they need inside salespeople. They need somebody that can do a certain task, right? They have a problem. They have a gap in their organization that they need solving. So if you can come in and fill that gap, you make their life easier. And so skills first, then be ready to project yourself and give off all those soft talents, those soft skills in the interview process, phone interviews, video interviews, however you're going to do it. That's how you get the job. That's how you close down the job. And the next question I'm going to ask you about is networking, because I think it's a really good segue into that. However, I just want to repeat what you just said, and and hopefully students were listening or anybody working who wants to work in sports, just listen on, okay, you you want to work in sport, your freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, whatever it is, go find those jobs uh, on the job board that are out there. And it doesn't mean, you know, Brian's not saying you're going to go apply. And I know you want to work in Chicago and this is out in Seattle. That's not what he's saying. Find the jobs and find where some of those common. um, You're researching. Yeah. Those common um, requirements that they're asking for the job and then go get them. You know, sometimes like uh, in, in our college classes, at least some of the ones that I teach, you know, we do a great job with all the, the business skills that we, they need, but maybe some of the certifications as far as like uh, Adobe or, or Google yes. things or SEO, we don't teach, but you can go out and get them and there's so many ways. To. Yes. And that's a key thing to know is that when I first started doing our work in sports podcast, I had a media background, but I had never done a podcast before. I watched YouTube videos. Like there's so many ways you can learn things by getting freemium examples of tools and watching some YouTube videos, right? And so then you put together a little bit of a portfolio to show some of the stuff that you've done as a work product. So there's really creative ways to start to make those skills stand out for what you need. But if you don't know what's needed, because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about market research, matching yourself with demand of the industry. If you don't know what's needed, how are you going to fill those gaps? So do the research first, figure out what's in demand out there, learn those skills, and then When you are applying for jobs, you're going to be more likely to be a match and you're going to be more likely to get that phone interview and get things started. That's great. That's great advice. And and I think especially for younger students, hey, there's your roadmap. Here's three or four years. This is what you got to do and and go do it. Well, and I'm a perfect example of it. I got hired out of college at CNN Sports Illustrated, a huge media conglomerate, when usually people in the broadcast media start out in Pocatello, Idaho, or Bozeman, Montana and work their way up. I got hired by this massive organization 
because I had nonlinear editing skills. Now this was 1996. I am dating myself. Um, but and, and that technology is no longer cutting edge. But at the time, that was the big thing. And I understood that. I did the research. I found out that this was the newest and brightest and biggest technology. And my senior year of college, I said, I'm learning this. This is what I'm going to learn. And so then when I started applying for jobs, I started getting interest back because I had a cutting edge skill that was in demand and I knew sports. That was a combo they were looking for. And anybody listening right now can reenact that exact same blueprint. Go find out what's in demand, learn it, match what the demand is in the marketplace. It's that simple. So I've, I've heard two things since I've been in um, some, my undergrad in the late 90s. I'll date myself a little bit too. And right, then working up through sports in the past two decades. Yeah. And now on the other side as a professor, you know, to get a job in sports. And I think we've covered one. You, you got to have some experience. You got to yep. get a little bit of work experience and in, in, in everything else you would need for job descriptions while, while, you're, uh, while you're an undergrad. But two, you, you got to network and you got to know some people in the industry. And uh, I had a great professor who used to say, it doesn't matter what you know or who you know. It's who knows you and, and who likes you. Yeah. Um, so speak to that a little bit. Are there some actual good steps or, or processes that students can do to, to yep. network themselves? It, it's so important. And I, I am of the belief that you, you hear that saying a lot, you know, like it's not what you know, it's who you know. I, I tend to shift it around a little bit. I think it's a combination of the two. Like it's what you know and who you know together versus one leveraging over the other. Sure. So networking and relationship building is super important. But the days of, like I, like I referenced when I started out at CNN Sports Illustrated, there were six other people that were working there. There were, there were lots of people working there with my kind of entry-level class, let's say. But six of them were there because they knew somebody, right? They were like the, the, the nephew of the Yankees GM kind of thing, Okay. Every, all six of them flamed out in the first year because they couldn't do the job. They were there initially because they had a connection. They couldn't do the job. They were gone. So met, remember to keep these two things on par as far as experience and skills and who you know. So let's, let's, let, with that caveat, let's get into the networking side. Most people listening to this probably don't have any kind of a network. I didn't when I was first mm -hmm. starting out. It comes down to an identification process. So thinking about the value of where you want to go. You have so many tools available to you now that were not available, like LinkedIn. I mean, LinkedIn makes it so easy. But let's, let's set some ground rules here. For one, it's not a quantity game. Networking is not a quantity game. It's not about clicking a button and having somebody else click a button. And now you're networking. So you have 10,000 connections, but you don't actually know any of them. I would so much rather people have 20, really 10, five really good relationship building connections that matter in their path than have 5,000 connections, quote unquote, in LinkedIn or whatever. So don't go for quantity, go for, don't go for quantity, go for quality. Sometimes I say that backwards. <laughs> I want to make sure I was clear there. Um, it's also networking is not just add water, right? It's not going to be one of those things that you start networking and then the next week some massive job opportunity comes out of it because you just connected with the right person it is a long play it takes time it can bear fruit but you have to stay on top of it shifted into relationship building it is not again about just making a connection and forgetting it you are working to co like to build and develop this connection and that's a really important part of this you're you're not only making the connection but you're building it and maintaining it which is really important way to frame your mind around this it's like it's not really a connection and it's not really a network or a relationship if you're not actually active in it it is an active process so 
let's get into targeting a little bit. If you start to get some career clarity and you know where you kind of want to go in your career. So we'll use an example. Let's say you want to be a social media coordinator in the NBA. That's your, that's your dream. You want to work in social media in the NBA. What I always tell people is start to reach out to look at alumni first. Are there alumni from your program that are doing something with an NBA team or anything like that? Start there because it's a really warm connection. Most people have an affinity for their, organi- for their alma mater and will be open to listening and starting to interact. So start there. Then start to network, I mean, networking with your professors, networking with your fellow interns. So remember, networking isn't just vertical where you're looking to mid-level managers, CEOs, you know, big decision makers. It's horizontal as well. When you're on internships, network with those people, make those connections because they're going to go out and get other jobs and they're going to go other places. When you are um, at events, you can, you can meet people there because uh, we're opening up to more events now. You can absolutely meet people there. But I like to think about it in a more creative circle as well. Um, if you start to identify like, okay, I want to work in social media in the NBA, like I kind of identified there, reach out to people doing social media in the G League or mm-hmm. with NBA teams or in college basketball and, and, and go on LinkedIn. And this is an extremely important thing you need to remember. If you kind of connect with somebody on your phone, you don't have the opportunity to add a note to the connection. If you do it on your laptop or desktop or whatever, you get a, there's a little button there that says add a note. You have 300 characters where you can actually put in why you want to connect with this person. Now, I have 15,000 connections on LinkedIn and probably about 1,000 of them added a note. I'm, I'm rough data here. Like not, I don't have that actually you know, calculated. But those people started the connection right then. They said something that explained it to me. So you could say like, I'm a junior at Trine University. I'd really like to work in social media. I see that you've been working in the NBA for three years. Would love to connect and learn a little bit more about your journey. Okay, so now if I'm the other person, put yourself in their shoes. I see that and I'm like, here's a college kid. Wants to get ahead. He's showing some initiative here. They want to learn about what I do. They think it's cool. So you feel a little bit flattered. All right, I'm in, right? So that's step one. Step two is relax. You don't need to then send them your entire life story in a, in a messenger tweet because that's what happens to me all the time. People will connect with me. And the next thing I know, I get 15 paragraphs on their life story and then saying, what do you think I should do next? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't have enough time. Um, and so that sets things. Then it's like, oh gosh, I don't want any part of this. The rhythm has to be different than that. You're asking this person for their time. You're asking this person for their expertise. So you make that connection, start providing some value back to them. Start to notice things that are happening in their world. Start to see if there's, like, ask a question like, okay, you want to work in social media. Uh, you know, I, I saw, you know, I noticed this tweet you guys had the other night that had really great engagement. What was that process for coming up with this video? Okay, that's right in their wheelhouse. They can give you a good answer there. And that's starting a really nice dialogue, showing you as curious and, and thought-provoking rather than just, Hey, I see you work for the Memphis Grizzlies. I'd like to work for the Memphis Grizzlies. Can you get me a job? Like, no, I don't even know who you are. You know, like start a dialogue, start to have a conversation. I, I had somebody who was trying to get a gig and, and they were trying to get a job, an operations coordinator. And I'm like, when you connect with these people out there, if you see they broke an attendance record, ask them, what did you guys do different this year? If you see they booked a new sponsorship deal, say, what was that process like? Was it a tough negotiation? Like these are short questions, but they, they are interactive questions. People are going to respond to them. They're open-ended. You're not just saying congratulations on your raise or promotion. Nobody's going to respond to that. And then they get that autoresponder email from 800 other people. Ask a good question, engage with them, start a dialogue. Not everybody's going to respond. 
not everybody's going to be great at this. Not everybody's going to put in the effort, but some people will. And that's why it's a quantity game, a quality game. See, I did it again. <laughs> it's a quality game. So you're trying to narrow in on those people that are on your path, right? I want to be this thing. They're doing that thing. And then figuring out little ways to gain information from them over time. If you start to show yourself in this really mature way and you're asking good questions, you're interacting that way. At some point you can say things like, Hey, I'm applying for this job with this other team in your league. Do you happen to know anybody over there? You're not asking them for a referral. You're not asking them for a job. They don't know you that way, but you can say something like, do you happen to know anyone over there? And maybe they'll put your resume in front of somebody. So it's just a slower process than most people anticipate, but it's so valuable if you do it the right way. And there are two things there I wanted to hit on that, that you brought up. Uh, one, if, if you are going to reach out to people, like you were saying, it's just like an interview almost. You know, I, I like to call them sometimes little informational interviews, but yeah. exactly know something about them because you're right. It does speak. I mean, I guess it's a bad thing to say, but it does speak to our vanity a little bit. Oh, yeah. I had somebody reach oh, out yeah. to me when, when I was working in sport and they said, oh, wow, that sponsorship promotion you did was awesome. I'm, I feel pretty good about myself. I know. I'm like, <laughs> yes, I will tell you all you want to know. Flattery will get you everywhere. <laughs> everything, everything, uh, especially if it's sincere. <laughs> uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That, that is a big part of it. Yeah. And then, um, you know, the other thing, I'm always shocked at how many people in sport, because I think sometimes students might be a little bit intimidated, but how many people are willing to help just because yeah. it's such a small fraternity. It is a small network. Yeah, it is. It really is. And um, it's just really a matter of, you know, sending that LinkedIn message again, you know, advantages that students have now that we maybe didn't have when we were in so, college yeah. or, or even just picking up the phone and, yep. you know, kind of old, old fashioned smile and a dialing, I guess. But right. Uh, I know. But it's just so easy to make connections with people. Like I'm not, I, I'm not good. I tell people this all the time. I am not good in face-to-face uh, -face events, like networking guilty. events or at conferences or things like that. I'm not the type of person that's just going to go up to somebody and be like, Hey, I'm Brian. Who are you? I don't do that. I cannot do that. It gives me like anxiety attacks. Even think about that kind of stuff. Handing out business cards. Can't do it. But I have tons of people in my network through using LinkedIn and actually building communication and emailing and talking and, you know, just building up these relationships over time. And then it just develops to be much more comfortable. And those are good, strong relationships that I can go and talk to these people. So there's lots of different ways to go about it, depending on where your comfort level is as an individual. And then the next step after that, so we kind of talked about, all right, finding your path, getting some experience, doing some networking, and then how do we find these jobs and, and workinsport.com obviously yeah. is, a, is a great place to go with, with their job board. So if you're kind of giving advice to students on, all right, well, where do I go? Cause I hear that from students too. Like, okay, you've told me all this stuff. Now, what do I do? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the great advantage of our job board is that we pull from the entire sports industry. Like we go out and get jobs from everywhere. So we'll see jobs from broadcasters. We'll see jobs from teams, leagues, organizations, but then even like, I mean, I was looking at a media group today that's in the equestrian sponsorship side. Okay. We got everything. You know what I mean? It's not just limited to the New York Yankees, the Denver Broncos, you know, like the big teams. So there's a lot more opportunity. That's why we have upwards of 20, 25,000 jobs. So I think that resource is really important. We have seen an increase in social media usage for posting jobs, you know, people posting jobs on their Twitter feeds and et cetera. So sometimes following the right people can help you know what's out there. Uh, in addition to that, I mean, uh, teams generally post a lot of things on their own site. So if you have certain uh, 
opportunities that interest you the most, you know, you might be able to set up some Google alerts or something of that nature. But I personally think, obviously I'm biased. I'm going to say that, but um, we do all the work for you. You know, we go out there and we're working with all these employers and we're pulling in all the information and we're putting it all in one spot with easy to search filters with, you know, iMesh technology, like I was talking about, iScore and a lot of other tools that can help to help you stand out in the, in the process. I mean, we have cover letter generators and resume helping tools and everything that can really help refine the process for you. And I just think it becomes an all in one, one stop for the, for the user, for the job seeker to be able to come in and find not only the best opportunities, but the way to position themselves the best too, because positioning so much of it, you want to customize mm-hmm. each experience so that you, you stand out and you really can stand out from that pack. Cause like you said, a lot of applicants can get tricky after a while. And one of the things, you know, we've kind of partnered with workinsports.com a little bit here at Trine, and I know you've had a lot of other schools do this as well. Um, But talk about the sports career game plan. So this has been sent out to our sport management students at the very minimum and and a few others as well here on campus. But, you know, how does that help students? What's involved with that? We're really excited about the partnership. So thank you so much for your involvement with us. Yeah, we, so I was going probably about three years ago, I was speaking in a lot of different colleges and universities and I'd have conversations just like this one. And the professors that I became friendly with would grab me afterwards and they'd be like, you know, all that stuff you're talking about, we don't get a chance to really dig into that. We're teaching sports sales, sports business, sports facility management, economics of sport, all these different things, ethics of sports, sports law. They're teaching these really important subjects. We don't necessarily get to focus on career development and professional development and how to make yourself the best potential candidate. And so some of these friends, the people that become friends were like, you should really develop your own course and, and we'd buy it and we'd use it as a textbook in our class. And I'm like, huh, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's a good, that's a good idea right there. So I, I went into the lab and just started creating. And so um, I put down all of the stuff that I had written over the years, different concepts, different ideas, different tactics, strategies, it finished up with 150, you know, articles, 25 videos, downloadable worksheets, quizzes, guides, checklists, everything. And I sat back and thought, I think this is okay. I think this is pretty good. So I went back out to those schools and said, can you guys take a look at it for me? I, I like a little advisory board. And they all looked at it and said, great, where do I sign? And that's when I knew we were, had that product market fit. Like we were providing a service that a lot of Schools just don't have the capacity to do or the aptitude or the, I think there's the desire and the knowledge to do it, but maybe not the time. And so we could be a supplement to the experience. And so we created this sports career game plan. We've gone out, we're in 50 colleges and universities right now. It's interactive. It's fun. I think, I mean, it's me, a lot of it's me. So I have, of course, I'm going to feel very positive about it, but the responses have been great. You know, we're trying to provide a service where somebody not only when they're in this program, they get the learning materials, but they also get a membership to the job board and to all the tools of workinsports.com. So for a low cost, they get a, a huge benefit. They get a four-year membership to workinsports.com along with the sports career game plan. So it's just one of those no brainers in a lot of ways. And we find from the students, cause we can see how, how people are interacting. We find that the feedback from the students that really interact with the program and take it seriously is, I mean, I don't want to, it sounds so egotistical for me to say it since I created it, but you get a lot of, wow, this is life-changing type um, responses. And that makes me feel really good. I've, I've just learned about myself that these conversations where I feel like I'm giving back and helping the next generation just mean the world to me on a, pers- on a personal level, but professionally, it also just makes so much sense too, because we want to be a resource to the young people getting into the sports industry and help it grow the right way. Because I love this industry. I love every part of it. 
And that's the fun part being on it on this side now is, is giving back. You yeah. Know, I think we both have had, had fun careers and in full disclosure, I'm not getting any commission for, for pushing the, you know, the sports career game plan, but I, I think it's a valuable tool. Thank you. And as I was thinking about that and, and you know, I'm thinking about the podcast and we bring in guest speakers and we go on these career fairs and these networking events, we do all these things for students to get involved in sport. Like, why? Why do we need to do all this for sport? What do you think it is about sport that's yeah. so unique where you really need to prepare for these four years in undergrad to kind of set yourself up for the next 60? Yeah, it, it's so true. I think a lot of it comes down to the overall competition level. Yep. Um, sure. You will hear. So one of the things I try to talk about a lot and try to convince people and make them understand is that, and we alluded to a little bit earlier, but there's this very intimidating number that students will hear throughout their college career. They'll hear, oh my gosh, somebody posts a job and they get 500, 600, 700, 800 applicants. How am I ever going to stand out? There's no way I'll get a job. And then, you know, I'm going to end up sleeping in my parents' basement or whatever. And they put themselves this, through these mental gymnastics and they, they lack confidence and it starts to really eat away at them. But what we find in talking to the employers, employers want applicants who are qualified and interested. Those are the two words they tell us a lot. We want them to be qualified to do the job and really interested in this role. What I mean by that is they don't want to just work for this team. They want this position, this one that we're applying for, that we're, we're advertising. And so I think what we're dealing with is a lot of noise and uh, a lot of people that aren't in those positions they are not qualified and interested in that specific role. They're applying because it's easy. We have a lot. Okay, so I, I always hate to mention competitors, but we do have, you know, there's, people are familiar with Teamwork Online, mm -hmm. and we are in com on competition with them. But I will tell you, one of the pieces of feedback that we get a lot is that because Teamwork Online is a free job board, there is no filter. Anybody out there in the world, anywhere, can see that the Denver Broncos are hiring somebody and say, I want to work for the Denver Broncos and apply. And because there's no gated entryway, everybody floods the marketplace. And so we'll hear from employers all the time, like, yeah, we get tons of applicants, but they're not great. You know, it's just because it's out there. And so we have always gotten the feedback that employers like our applicants better because they know that, yeah, it costs to be a member of our site. It is a subscription model. But because of that, we can bring the whole market to, the, to our job board, right? We don't have to say, we're only going to promote those businesses that are willing to pay us. So just a business model decision here, okay? Money's coming somewhere. And since we're getting it from subscribers, we can then go and get every single job out there and put it on our job board because we're not mm -hmm. dependent on just those that will pay us. But in also, when you create that kind of a gated experience, the people that are on our job board are serious. They want to work in sports, why would they pay for a job board to work in sports and pay for all of our tools if they didn't want to work in the sports industry? So initially, employers know that our candidates, people that we're presenting, people that are applying through our site are more qualified and more interested on average. And so there's a in higher interest level on their part as well. So it does benefit in a lot of ways. But I do think it's key is that there's so much noise out there. And that's why I always stress this combination of having the right skills, because that's how you cut through the noise. There are plenty of other tactics. There are plenty of other ways to gain experience. There's plenty of other ways to build up your resume, your portfolio, your personal brand, to, not, to nail the interviewing process, to do all those things right. But I really think the initial gateway is having the right experience and skills for the marketplace. And if you start there, you're already ahead of 95% of the market. You really are. You really are. Because 
I'm telling you, and you know this, but so much now in the job seeker world is done through AI and Mm -hmm. algorithms and applicant tracking systems. So literally, if I'm the New York Yankees and I get a thousand applicants for my job, I don't have people going through a thousand applications. I have computer systems that are filtering down to the best possible candidates. So again, how do they figure out who the best possible candidates are? By the matches. So you have to be the match to even get noticed. So that's why I always like to really stress there and repeat there and talk about it again. Like start with the skill profile and then work in all the other things. And you know what? I think I'm going to add that to my list. So, so networking experience and then, and then the profile. I think I'm going to add that in third because you're right. I don't, I don't think we do a good enough job of, of kind of explaining that, um, especially with the new AI and, and new yeah. HR tools that come out there. You're right. Resumes are just getting scanned. We're looking for keywords. If you don't yes. have them, you're out. And you could be awesome, but you just, maybe you're not good at writing or you don't, can't put your resume together and you don't even get a shot. Yeah. And that's why, like I was talking about earlier, we've created some of those tools that help people understand, like you can test it. Like you can put your resume. Okay. I just created this resume. I think it's really good. Let's see how it matches up. Oh, wait, I'm missing these things. Okay. Mm -hmm. I can add that. I can get there. Let's do this. So it's like a partially a learning tool as well. And to, to really refine and improve. But I mean, I just think that's so important right now because like we're both saying it is turning, that's what's unique about the sports industry. So many people want to work in it a lot that are not qualified it means a lot of noise that gets filtered out. So a lot of these teams, leagues, and organizations are filtering out really quickly. Don't be one of the people that gets filtered out. Have a resume and portfolio and cover letter that match what the industry needs and what the job description says. It's like an open book test. I mean, if you're looking at a job description, they're telling you what they want. You know, like put the extra work in to, to make your resume really sing and, and line up with what they're looking for. It's a great way to put it. And, and Brian, if people want to learn more about you or, or learn more about work in sports, um, where can they find you and, and maybe um, talk a little bit more about the website and what they can find on there? I am everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so no, we, we, I should say we are everywhere. So, I mean, obviously there's our two twice a week podcast. So on Mondays we do a uh, fa- answer fan questions. So any of your students or anybody listening can email me in questions or connect with me on LinkedIn and message me questions there. If you have a career focused question about for you that really matters to you to break into the sports industry, I want to talk about it. And that's what we do on Monday shows. So that that's a great way for people to interact. Seriously connect with me on LinkedIn, but I'm not going to accept it unless people add a note since I mentioned that in this, I want to make sure people are paying attention. Um, <laughs> I just think that effort is important and that sets off the conversation the right way. Yep. Uh, I, obviously we're on Twitter at work in sports. We have a new TikTok channel. We are on Instagram. Um, the podcast is listed everywhere. You listen to podcasts. Obviously all of our career advice and tools are on workinsports.com. We try to kind of cover the marketplace everywhere. So you can see, unfortunately, my face just about everywhere, it seems like nowadays. I don't know if that's a good thing (laughs) for anybody, but um, I got the fancy microphone and fancy camera. So hopefully it makes me look a little bit better. Well, he is Brian Clapp, C-L-A-P-P. He's Vice President of Content Engaged Learning at at workinsports.com. Brian, really appreciate you being with us. Thanks so much. Brandon, thank you so much. It was a really fun experience. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Be sure to download our next episode on Tuesday, March 1st, as we talk with purchasing coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Brianna Matthews. As always, we'd like to say a special thank you to producer Josh Hornbacher for his work behind the scenes today. This is the Center for Sports Studies podcast, broadcasting from the Trine Broadcasting Network. If you like this episode, 
please be sure to subscribe to the Center for Sports Studies podcast on your favorite podcasting platform and give us a five-star rating if you like what you heard. For more information about the Center for Sports Studies, please visit trine.edu. Also, be sure to like the Trine Center for Sports Studies on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TrineCSS and subscribe to our YouTube page by searching for Trine University Center for Sports Studies. Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu.